Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second episode of the Gabe Alexander podcast. Uh, I want to apologize for having it take this long to get out. Um, really felt like the universe did not want me to get this episode recorded. <laughs> First, uh, the shelf behind me, for those who are watching the video version of this on YouTube, the shelf behind me fell, and I had to buy some new braces for the shelf, so that took a little bit. Uh, then I wanted to record before I spent a week up in Chicago. I sat down to record it, and I was using an old tripod, and uh, the tripod sucks, and my phone kept falling from the tripod. Uh, so I had to stop and go to Chicago for a week, and then while I was in Chicago, I ordered a new tripod to be delivered to this house. Uh, and when I got back from Chicago, the tripod was there. It was great. I was like, bet, let's record this second episode. And I started recording, and then I realized middle of the way through, my AC was on, and it was very loud. It was already late that night, so I didn't do a second take. I was like, all right, I'll do it the next day. Uh, the next day, I wake up, and I had a migraine <laughs> all day. And it was a struggle for me just to get my work done, and so I did not want to record that day. But now we're back. And I am finally recording, hopefully with no slip-ups. <laughs> uh, before we get started, I really want to thank everybody who listened and tuned into my first episode. It was really well received by all my friends and even was listened to by people I didn't know. So on YouTube, uh, my video had 18 views, and it also had 18 views across all audio platforms. Some things I thought that were cool is that I realized somebody from the UK actually listen to my podcast. I could see that on my podcast app. And uh, a portion of the audience listening to it was age 35 to 44. So whoever put their uh, dad or mom or parents, whoever put them onto my podcast, I really appreciate it. <laughs> that means a lot. Uh, but yeah, let's jump right into this week's episode, the topic being research as a psychology graduate student. Uh, I really wanted to talk about this because it's probably the biggest involvement in my life right now. It's I spend more time with this GA job as a researcher than I do with my actual coursework. And for my research GA position, I am working on two papers this semester. But before I get into that, I want to tell you guys about my undergraduate research. You know, that's how I kind of got to the point where I could get a research GA job. So my first year at my undergraduate school, I was in a 300-level sports psychology class. I was in a 300-level class because I took a high school program that really gave me two years of full college courses. Uh, so I came in as a freshman to this class, and the professor, I guess, somehow figured that out and kind of took a liking to me. I really liked his class. The structure was very interesting. Uh, we would read from a book and take notes, but instead of having exams, we would be given a case study and basically with what we learned each uh, like section throughout the book we'd work on that part and kind of develop a plan for that injured athlete uh, in the case study. I thought that was really cool. I really took a liking to that class, gave him my all. Um, and yeah, I guess he took an interest to me because he asked me over the summer if I wanted to join his research team, his undergraduate research team. And I was ecstatic. I said yes. So over the summer, I took some CITI training, which is basically just a simple ethics course when working with people in research, and I had to read the book on death and dying. Now this book, if you don't know, if you're not a psych student, you're probably not as familiar with it. It's about the grief model uh, from Kubler-Ross, 
And this world of sports psych is really using that grief model uh, to address sport injury. And what this research is doing is trying to disprove the use of that and talk about how it's not effective. Um, so once I read and I completed the course, I joined up at the end of summer with some online meetings. And we started, and um, my portion in that group was to listen to a bunch of recorded interviews, kind of analyze it, write down all the major points per, you know, different time sections, and then compile it up, work with all the other researchers on the team, compile uh, an even tighter list of all the topics and themes, and do that for multiple cases. And then we were going over those topics, going over those themes, seeing really what the journey through rehabilitation is for athletes. And the interesting part of this research is that he, our professor who we were working under, allowed us to all pick a, a topic that we wanted to cover that could branch from this research and write our own paper, pretty much. And so what I did is I chose social support and the role it plays in athletic rehabilitation. And for my paper, I chose three athletes that we had interviews with. Uh, one athlete had a great social support system with an ACL injury, and she was back to play in nine months, which is really, really good for having an ACL surgery. It's right on schedule. Uh, another athlete had a slap tear, which is a tear in the shoulder, and she had a terrible social support system. And unfortunately, uh, that was the end of her sport career, um, and she is, was still affected. We interviewed her you know, 20 plus years after this, uh, after the actual injury and she was still really emotionally affected by it and how she was treated from the colleges and her network her team that was supposed to be helping her and then the third athlete uh he did not have social support but excuse me um he did not have social support but through you know a lot of just hard work and personal dedication and with his just internal characteristics he was able to kind of overcome this injury without almost any support from anybody and he is living a very nice life right now he transitioned out of sport and into kind of a management role and is doing really well so what my paper was was really documenting all of their journeys in depth talking about all the factors that either help them positively or influence them negatively writing all that out and then linking them all together and talking about how to go forward with building a strong social support network um, I'm actually still working on that paper. I'm very close to being done with the editing, and then I would be sending it out to an editor. Sadly, this is brand new information. I just found out that the professor I was working with, he is actually a professor and getting certification to leave academia and work in private practice. So he's got clinical internships, and he has put all his research on pause. And I really don't know what that means for me, because obviously he's a major co-author, might even be the primary author of that paper that I'm writing, because it is really his research initiative. And I sent an email, I'm waiting to hear from back, but hopefully that all works out well. I can either work on it individually, or if I have to put everything on hold until he's done with his clinical internships. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the state of the paper right now. What I thought was really cool was this man named Child... Charles Kaur, he has actually written a lot of papers that have been published in the sports psych realm, and our professor, when I was working with them, got to talk to Charles Kaur and show them all of the work we've been working on, and Kaur was very, very 
uh, happy and kind of just impressed. That's the word I'm looking for. Impressed by our work, which that was awesome to hear. Somebody who's relatively big in the sports psychology literature got to, t- to talk with uh, the leader of our team and is uh, you know really happy by our work. And um, other than writing, we I also, me and my team, got to present at a MSEPS conference a few years ago, which was the Midwest Sport and Exercise Psychology Symposium. We gave presentations there. Uh, the presentations went really well. All of our um, research was well received. And I even met some people from Ball State University, which is actually where I go to graduate school right now. I met them at the MSEPS conference. So that was it, it flowed really nice into where I am now uh, here at Ball State, which then leads me to the research that I'm doing as a graduate student. Now, I did not initially intend to be a research graduate assistant. I was applying for any GA I could possibly get. Sadly, I probably did five or six interviews that I didn't get uh, the GA for. Uh, I either just didn't fit with their schedule or they found somebody more qualified. However, one of the last interviews I gave um, was for a professor who never had a GA before, had a lot that she wanted to get done with her GA. Um, I was kind of intimidated by the workload she was proposing, but obviously I needed the GA and I interviewed. And she, once we were done, I guess I was one of the first to be interviewed. She told me that she'd get back to me in about one to two weeks after she finished interviewing everybody else. I thought, oh, okay, we'll see how it goes. I was kind of deflated at this time because I got rejected for so many GAs. I just didn't have much faith in myself. And then I was also worrying about all the money that I would have to spend on school because GAs actually reduce my tuition from, I think, 15000 a semester to 1000 a semester. And that's one of the main selling points of a GA. But actually, in three days, she called me back while I was at work. And um, she told me I had it. I was very surprised. I guess she might have interviewed other people and realized that I was much more qualified than uh, the other people. So she just gave me a call back really, really quick, said I had the job, needed some more information. And I gave it to her, and that's kind of how I ended up where I am. Now, a GA, um, it's about 20 hours a week. I am lucky. All of my work that I have to do is remote. I don't have to go in anywhere on campus. I can get it done all from home. And other than the tuition reduction, I also get paid about fourteen fifty an hour, which isn't really bad. It's actually good compared to some of the other GAs. Not all GAs get paid the same, and this one was probably the second highest or second most paying GA that I applied for. So I was happy about that too. And the topics that she had for this semester was a paper on sickle cell anemia and train the trainer, and then a paper about how heart failure plus depression can lead to more readmissions. And So for the first few weeks, I was literature searching for both topics. I was just going into Google Scholar, PubMed, PsycInfo, all the normal databases, and just spending hours and hours searching and reading through a bunch of papers that we could reference in our manuscript that we were posting. So that was a few weeks. I just dug through all the literature, highlighted all the important bits, sent them off to her. Um, She was impressed by that, so I did that for a little bit. And then next, before writing anything, she actually wanted to get a grant done this semester as well as two papers. 
And as you can probably tell, that's why I was thinking it would be a lot of work um, at the beginning of the interview. I was like, oh, you want two papers published and secure a grant? That's going to be a lot. <laughs> so I was grant searching for about two, three weeks, and it sucked. I was using databases for grant searching, and even though there's billions of dollars for grant searching, the nature of our research didn't really let us kind of fall into the requirements that were needed for most of the grants. So it was a lot of, oh, does this work? Nope. Okay, how about this one? Nope. All right, I found these five. They all sound great. She's like, uh, no. <laughs> so that was very disheartening. Uh, but thankfully, she worked locally. I was using a database. She was looking for grants in the uh, state of Indiana locally. And she found an organization that was willing to consider us and so she told me that she would take the reins filling out all of the grant proposals because involved with that is also a lot of writing so I was thankfully I was thankful to hear that all of my work on grants was over <laughs> it was not fun and it was hard to get results so she was taking care of that and while she was taking care of that I started on our first paper the first paper was um, heart failure plus depression leads to more readmissions so she sent me a giant Excel sheet of data in four different pages uh, made up of about 410 uh, people. And I basically scrubbed through all the data, was compiling a bunch of demographics, a bunch of the comorbid data, and pulling all that together. Then I started using the references that I found in the literature search and just started writing the paper. Um, introduction is really easy once you outline it and kind of make a mental note or I actually write it out in the Word document all right I'm gonna start here I need literature that supports kind of this statement that I want to make we'll move into here 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 and then you know the outlines pretty easy finding the papers are the hard part but once you have the papers and you organize the papers to what part of the introduction you want them to go through it's actually really easy to write that up Methods, uh, because I didn't personally conduct the study, I got methods from her, and then I just had to make it look pretty. She kind of just told me everything they did, and I had to make it pretty and make it sound professional, put that into the paper. And then I started running statistical tests on all the data that I compiled. And unfortunately, our data is not consistent with all of the other literature about this. Uh, for some reason, our data found that people without depression were actually getting readmitted to the hospitals more often than those with heart failure and depression from our sample. I thought that was very weird. Sent the data off to her. She's like, yeah, this is weird, but we got to talk about it. That's what this paper is turning into now. Um, I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> so that was kind of hard. I you know, did all the... The annoying writing about all the statistical tests, all the stuff I did, and then I move into the discussion section and pretty much just talk about uh, why our results might have shown what they did. Really, you know, 410 sample size is not that big um, for a problem this broad and this prevalent. So, and it could be the fact that we got data from one hospital in Indiana, not multiple hospitals. Um, but it, is, it was a smaller study, and we were submitting to smaller journals. So I really talked about that, um, you know, just kind of expanded, talked about different other factors, and pretty much finishing it up right now. I worked on that paper a little bit ago, sort of towards the beginning, middle of the semester. 
And I sent that off to her. She wanted to add, you know, practice implications and, and kind of wrap it up with a nice conclusion. Uh, so she sent that off to me. I worked on making tables for all the data that we had. And it is pretty much done. We're making last edits right now. And then we'll send it off to another faculty member who has been published a lot to get their input and be able to put them as a co-writer on it. Now, that did not lead up to where I am today. Um, kind of towards the end of the heart failure paper, I started the sickle cell anemia train the trainer paper. Now what this is about is she has a research initiative uh, with a university in Kenya. And what they did a few years back is my the professor I work for and a few other faculty from Ball State went to Kenya, talked with a the university there, and they wanted to really help educate the population about sickle cell anemia because sickle cell anemia, uh, it's not known about that much or it's not well known. Uh, the, the main diseases that get all of the attention and education would be malaria and HIV. Sickle cell anemia does not have that much attention. Um, families in Kenya have told the research team in Kenya that sickle cell, the disease, comes from other families cursing them. And because they still have arranged marriages, if one family is not happy with the marriage, they will curse them and therefore their child will have the symptoms of sickle cell disease and that belief is not it's the belief that belief is pretty common across the population so what we want to do is really help educate um and spread awareness of sickle cell disease and sickle cell anemia so what they did is the faculty from ball state they went to kenya and people at that university they trained them um, in how to give presentations and really disseminate knowledge and educated them a bit. And what those trainers now do from the Kenyan University is they go out to more remote areas and they give presentations and hire more people and train them to give other presentations. So it's kind of like a spreading effect. That's what we call train the trainer. Now she's been doing this for about three years. It's going pretty well. Unfortunately, she was not able to travel to Kenya this summer uh, because of COVID. And instead, uh, a few weeks ago, we actually had a Zoom meeting with the Kenyan team. That was very interesting. I had no idea uh, I would be doing something like that with my job <laughs> when I signed up for it. I thought it was very, very interesting. It was really yeah, it was just a very interesting experience um, hearing them talk about the experiences, everything they have to work through and train there. It was very informative, cool experience. Another thing that I thought was very interesting was this didn't happen, but it was supposed to happen because she was my boss was supposed to go this past summer. She was supposed to go to Kenya and actually talk with the education and health ministry there and let them know about our project and see if we could get support from them, which I think is insane because I'm at Ball State University. It's not well known, really, for anything. It's not a very popular university. It's a university in the middle of Indiana. Um, and she was going to go and talk to government people in Kenya about research. Uh, I thought that was amazing. I was kind of honored to uh, be a part of that. Um, and so what I did for this paper this paper was a bit more interesting. I once again used all the research that I had gathered from the first two weeks of my GA, went through the introduction, 
the this introduction was a lot longer I kind of did a funnel effect I talked about capacity building overall then I talked about the train the trainer program and then I specifically led into the train the trainer program in low and middle income countries so I referenced a lot of papers and those were the three sections of my introduction kind of building down in a funnel towards okay this is what led to our project and then once again methods I wrote that out from everything all the documentation she had and then results since this is an ongoing uh, research initiative and we were giving updates um, I just talked about that uh, talked about how everything was going the problems that they encountered the effectiveness of it the the people that our trainers trained and then for the discussion section I talked about the feasibility of it the effectiveness of it kind of leading directly from the results section and she is going to finish up with the practice implications um yeah and that is kind of how we've been working so far both of our papers are pretty much done I did the majority of the writing however I mean that's not <laughs> all the work that I really I got an easy part I'm just doing all the writing and I had to search for some data but they did you know all the hard work of going and getting the data and setting up the, the study um, but what I think is really awesome is that I'm gonna be an author on both of these papers so I really hope that they get published <laughs> um, that would be cool I think for the heart failure and depression paper I am going to be the fourth or fifth author and then for the sickle cell paper I will be the third author on it so that is super cool um, to be published well if everything goes to plan to be published and on our path to publication uh, really recently I was looking into a bunch of different prospective journals that we could submit to I had to go find out all their author guidelines document those and then kind of eliminate the ones that we didn't apply to send the ones we did apply to to her and she is making final decisions on what uh, journals she wants to submit to um, oh another thing I forgot that took about a week of my GA was um, my professor my boss who has her own sickle cell anemia project is also helping with a different sickle cell anemia paper from more faculty from Ball State they submitted their manuscript and it got it didn't get rejected outright they said here are some revisions we want you to make make them send them to us and you'll be good so it wasn't a straight rejection which is always nice but their paper is very very long and what I had to do was update a lot of their references one of the reasons their paper didn't get published was they had a few dated uh, references they all of our papers need to have references uh, within the last five years nothing more than five years ago can be used unless it's a very very historical and important paper uh, so what I did is I took the introduction section and I basically highlighted all the ones that were outdated and I had to search for new papers and update them and maybe change a few things here or there if um, I couldn't find a paper that directly had the same results but were very close and so this introduction I think yeah it was 31 new papers that I had to search for so over the course of a week I found 31 new papers and put them into the introduction of this and that went smoothly um, like I said the turnaround was a week and then I moved resumed right back into the sickle cell anemia paper uh, right now our research is kind of uh, 
ahead of schedule. We're about two weeks ahead of schedule, actually. And I think that's surprising, but I'm happy because I really thought it would be a lot of work uh, at the beginning of the semester. But we're two weeks ahead of schedule right now, so I'm actually restarting uh, a literature review for the paper she wants done next semester when I work with her. Uh, so I'm doing that right now. The first one is African-American infant mortality and the different um, factors that have an influence on it here in the United States. Uh, and then I believe the second paper she wants to do is about substance use disorder. I have not started on that yet, uh, but that is up next. And yeah, I'm really happy with this job. It's kind of refreshing to be able to do work that's not graded. I don't have to stress about it being graded. It's That doesn't mean that I don't put 100% into this job. I do, and that's part of the reason why we're two weeks ahead of schedule. Uh, but it's it's nice knowing that if something's wrong at our weekly meeting, she'll be like, hey, can you change this? And I'll be like, yeah, sure. And then I just change it. <laughs> I don't take a hit to my GPA. Um, I'm still focusing also on my classes. All of that's going fine, but really it's not nearly as much work as this job. And yeah, so the next semester, it's going to be another two papers and a grant, I believe. And I will probably try to uh, work under her my second year of my master's program, my final year, because I am really happy with how everything's gone. And it's remote. It's real nice. Um, pays pretty well. The only thing that might make me switch to a different GA is that she works for the School of Nursing and I'm in a sports and exercise psychology major. So if I find a sports and exercise psychology GA that also pays well, or a neuropsychology related GA because that's what I'm gonna get my doctorate in, I decided that recently. If one of those two options come up and pay well, I might interview for those, but I'm not even near the point where I need to start looking for other GAs. We still have uh, the rest of the academic year. Um, one thing, though, that kind of sucks about this GA. Okay, it doesn't suck. Uh, but <laughs> uh, some of my other first years who I know and I've talked with, their GA, they have an office on campus. I don't. I really want an office. That would make me feel so professional. Um, <laughs> I might not... I'm not like it as much because I actually have to leave my house and go there to work but having an office that just sounds very professional and I kind of want that but then again they have to kind of teach and grade for classes and I don't want to do that at all and that's probably why they have an office to hold office hours even though it's going to be online because of COVID I don't know they have an office I'm a little salty about it but hey I get paid more so <laughs> uh, it's all good and really, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about this week. Um, I really find this job fulfilling and interesting, and it's much more than I ever really planned. Um, it's super fun. And yeah, I want to thank you guys so much for watching this episode, even though it took me a while to get out. Please, please, please support it any way you can, whether that's just liking it or listening the full way through or you know telling a homie about it. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys are having a great night. I know I am. Oh, speaking of great nights, the reason I'm having a great night is for those who are watching on YouTube, this quarter zip and this hat, they say Ball State Sports and Exercise Psychology on them. And we're supposed to use these when we're working with clients, like when I'll be doing my uh, practicums and internships. And this makes me feel 
very professional, just like The Office. So I was excited to get those. Uh, but yeah, other than that, take care of yourself. Good night, guys.